Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there and follow us here for Pit Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love March and hate being back on the bubble, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, presented by Section 5. My name is David. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Squid and Dylan, and we have a show for you today, uh, and it's going to be interesting at the very least. Uh, We're going to do things a little bit differently today. Um, No guests, no agenda. We're letting you, the listeners, dictate the direction of the show. Dozens of you sent in your questions about pit basketball and football, and we are going to answer them and sort of just see where it goes from there. Yeah, no better time for a mailbag episode than right after a heartbreaking loss to end the regular season. Two. Uh, Yeah, I forgot this is a whole week of just bad shit. So we'll spare you the the takes that you've heard a million times on Twitter, um, and we'll just answer your questions hopefully this is more fun than that it will almost certainly be more fun than the alternative so i I say we could just get right into it yeah um so again we wanted to do this to spare you guys the the woe is me sound of silence type shit but uh from the looks of the questions we received uh everybody's in a dark place and wants us to go there anyway Um, sickos freaks all of you uh our first four questions can all kind of be lumped together and that is why do we do this to ourselves we got a um what is pain what you let's let's just go through them one at a time um at kurt raw asked what is pain pain is the blake henson prayer not falling despite being significantly closer than it had any right to be pain pain is waking up every day and choosing to root for pit athletics pain is pit athletics giving you a lot of hope and then blocking out the fact that it could all go badly quickly and then it does go badly quickly, and then you're like, well, yep, here we are again. Yeah, pain is is the the little gap between heightened expectations and return to reality. That is pain. Um what is the what is the Webster's definition? I'm just looking it up right now. Pain, localized or generalized unpleasant bodily sensation or complex of sensations that causes mild to severe physical discomfort and emotional distress and typically results from bodily disorder, such as injury or disease. So, yeah, rooting for pit. Yeah, I can tell you where that uh, localized discomfort is, and it's, it's right here. Mental or emotional distress or suffering. Oh, here's one. One that irks or annoys or is otherwise troublesome. Yeah, that um that kind of sounds like all the things that we said. Yeah. 
You know pain, Kurt. I can tell. If you're a Pitt fan, you know pain. Uh, at Picket Believer wants to know why we choose pain every year with Pitt. So we know that that pain is being a Pitt fan, but why do we do that? Why do we do this to ourselves? It hurts so good. There's something different about this pain that you feel with being a Pitt fan, because when things go well, it's just so, so sweet. The It's just, stop me if you've heard this one before, but just when I thought I was out, they pulled Pull me, me back, back in. in. Yeah, that's just about every season of every pit team that I followed. Uh, I mean, ACC championship like is it, they bought enough goodwill with the ACC championship season to have me pulled back in for a good decade or so. And the pit hoops teams it turns out all all that really needs to happen is you have to be involved in uh, bracketology discussions. I think it's fun. I'm always gonna be hurt when we have like the atrocious losses, but I don't think other fan bases experience like the absolute highs that pit fans get and like the absolute lows. Like a lot of teams kind of like hang around in the middle. It's like, oh, we upset like an okay team this week, or oh yeah, we went six and six again. You get the extremes with pit. You have the the crazy Clemson wins, and then you have the the Notre Dame losses. In basketball. So th- there's a lot to expect. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. And that's why it brings us back. Yeah, I could go on some big rant about like the human condition and our need for entertainment and suffering and belonging. Um, but I'm going to spare all of you that today and just go with the simple answer. We were born in Pittsburgh and we like college athletics. That's, that's why we do this. Is it smart? No. We're the we're the dumbest group of SOBs on the planet. But, you know, we also aren't going to give up because that's not who we are as Pittsburghers. We're going to wake up every day. We're going to accept disappointment or or joy or an incredible payout. But we're going to keep doing it. This is a really uplifting way to start this episode. But most most people listening are probably listening to it on Monday, just starting off their work week, and this is this is what they're treated to. So on to the next question, which is still about Pitt being cursed. Uh, what? Why is Pitt the way that they are, and why does it appear to be cursed? Yeah, that's uh, at who is Mark on the question. Um, it's a million dollar question, right? That's yeah, what we're trying to figure out. I swear to you, I I swear, the physics that should apply to a circular ball bouncing off of a flat surface do not when it's people in pit jerseys chasing it. The bounce off the rim, the the way, you know, the ball ricochets off the ground, it just doesn't make sense when it needs to benefit us. Are we sure we're not just defining what life is like for all sports fans? Do we think it's really that much worse with Pitt? Or is it because of how much we care? No, it's worse. Pretty sure. We're going to leave that kind of uh, 
levity and thoughtfulness and reasonability to actual journalists. This is a fan podcast. Nothing bad has ever happened to anybody but Pitt fans. Everyone else is so lucky. Well, I mean, wh- what do you guys think? Why? Why is why is Pitt sports cursed? Don't have an on-campus stadium. Don't have tarps in the upper deck. I don't know. Aren't these all the solutions that Pitt fans have offered over the years? There's a Native American burial ground under the Cathedral of Learning, perhaps. I mean, that's very possible. First of all, this is America, so we're living on stolen land. Uh, Second of all, an entire war was fought over the city of Pittsburgh like 300 years ago. So there's definitely got to be some some like French and, and British ghosts that are haunting the halls of the cathedral or whatever. No, I, I, think it's, I think it's the on-campus stadium. I, I think it's the on-campus fix, stadium. That'll fix everything. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> last really sad one, and then and then things get better, I promise. Um, our guy, Brookline Jesus, asked, let's talk about how we should kick the crap out of our dads and uncles for making us pit fans. Yeah, let's kick their asses. I mean, it was pretty sweet whenever we first grew up and – all we knew was being a top 10 basketball team. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I mean, my dad definitely rooted for Pitt and he definitely like would watch the Pitt games. I don't know that he really gave me a deep rooted, like love and desire for Pitt. Like I can remember being like eight or nine years old and watching a tournament game and sitting there watch being like, I'm starting to feel physically sick from this game. Like as a child, my dad's like, "Dude, relax. It's a it's a basketball game." I'm like, "No, no, I I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself as as like a ch- young child." So <laughs> yeah, I I can't say that I I can't give my dad an ass whooping for this one. And I don't know, my dad's kind of tough. He'd probably kick my ass anyway. Yeah, Joe Mitchell. I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with him. I I can't. I still can't beat up my dad either. But it is my dad's fault that I am this way. He and my oldest brother. Um, I, ever since I saw our guy Lou polite plunge into the end zone to beat number five, Virginia tech, I definitely thought like, this is how I'm going to feel as a pit fan forever. What's um, what's that term? You know, that movie, the interview with uh, Seth Rogen and, uh, and James Franco uh, where they go to North Korea, all that business. They use that term, for how James Franco can like lull his guests into a fake sense of security and then get them to like open up and share all their biggest secrets. Um, I think it was like honey dicking or something pit honey dicked me top five win at home last second touchdown. And I, I thought it was, I thought that was how it was going to be forever. I'm not sure how many people will pick up on that reference from the movie, the interview that came out like a decade ago, but I, I think it does work. I got it's it. Kind of an it's an iconic flick. I'm just thankful that I wasn't raised as a Penn State fan, so I'm going to thank my father for that. Paul, Paul's still pretty diehard, right? Oh, yeah. he was tailgating the Georgia Tech game. 
and poncho and all. That's a good, that's a good, uh, like test of how big of a pit fan are, are you? Like, are you tailgating and attending the games that are in pouring down rain in October? Just thought of it. We, all of our dads have very dad names, Joe, Bob, and Paul. Yeah. Do you think like that entire boomer general, like, was that just the popular names or were they like, no, no, this, this baby is going to be a father one day and we need to name him like Jim or something. There were only like nine male names back then. And they're all from the Bible. Yeah. You get your, your nine, like two syllable biblical names and that's it. Yeah. All right, I lied about... These are the fun stuff. Yeah, well, I lied about there not being any more really sad ones, um, but this one is, like, relevant to actually talking about sports in an intelligent way. Um, at Drewski, at Drewski uh, I don't think the famous one, I think this is a Pittsburgh version, asked us, is missing the tournament a fireable offense for Capel, given we had a 95% chance of making it to begin the week? I'm going to jump out and say no. Like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. If you pulled every Pitt fan, like if every person in the Pittsburgh area, guess how many wins Pitt's going to have? Like, you have to put a thousand bucks on it. Not a soul would put over 20. No Pitt fan would put over 20 wins. You got to take that into consideration. Yes, bit of a choke job down the stretch, but we're going in the right direction. We're going up. Dude, they. Like, they won't fire him if they – I don't even want to – but we have to answer this. Like, if they don't make the tournament, they won't fire him. But there were people talking about should Pitt just hop out and get in front of things and extend cable, like, like the past couple of weeks. Like, make sure no one else comes and scoops him. I, it wasn't a very overwhelming majority of people who thought that was an idea, but I saw that thrown out. Like, is Pitt going to, like, mess around and maybe extend him? And I'm like, let's – Let's make sure we are sure about this first. Um, I'm I'm still on the cable train right now, and I don't think it's a sure. terrible offense because we, like we just said, like there has been very significant improvement already. No matter how the season plays out, winning what are we at? We're at 21 wins at this point of the season. Everyone in the pick community would have signed up for that back in October. Now there is part of that where expectations change as as the season goes along you can be very disappointed with closing out the season I mean, it would take another loss in the acc tournament uh, without a win to miss the tournament i think at this point so fireable they're not gonna fire them but there's gonna be a lot of people who say you know what if if they couldn't do it here like if he was gonna choke anyway then it, it's time for him to go. But I think we're all the same team that's not really a fireable offense, but right. there will be a lot of people calling for it. Like, well, he had his best team he's had since he's been here, and they still fell apart at the end of the season, like like the rest of his teams have. I think we're going to combine the next question because we kind of talk about it. Uh, Samuel Scalzo says, will an, will an NIT invitation be a disappointing turn of events over the progress in the program? relative to last year outweigh that uh, yes that would be very disappointing 
I know yes to week all one, it. we said we would throw a parade for the NIT. Now I would be furious and I would might be like a little bit too sad to watch. I would watch, but I'd be like very sad doing it. And like an NIT championship wouldn't cheer me up. K. Keanu, yeah, K. Los Dos said it last week. Going to repeat the Spanish lesson again this week. Why not both? It is going to be both a major disappointment and a vast improvement on last year. It, it, something can be two things at once. And, and you know, we're going to have to... Some people might be shouting fire capel. I know when I was uh, drunk Saturday night, the thought crossed my mind. Um, I'm just glad I didn't tweet it or say it out loud to anybody. Um, but I think we're going to need to look at this with a little bit of nuance if it ends up in the NIT. Because this is a major improvement, but there was also a pretty big collapse. I think if anything, this put if Pitt ends up in the NIT, this puts a lot of pressure on Capel for next year. Dude, I can't. I actually almost can't do this episode. If we're gonna keep referencing us making the NIT at this point. We're gonna we're gonna win Wednesday. So I'm not worried about it. But if by some every conference that can steal a bid steals a bid and we get squeaked out it would be super disappointing. It's definitely a vast improvement, but it really, it wouldn't feel like it in the moment. Like we'd all be sitting there and be like, yeah, this just still sucks. Like, great. We made, we made an NIT. We've, we've been going at this for five years. This still sucks. Whereas like if they would have rallied at the end of the year and like stole an NIT bid and it's like, oh yeah, we're playing the NIT this year. But just with the way the season's gone, we, I mean, we, as of last night, until the last, until the buzzer went off, we were still playing for an ACC regular season championship. Yeah, like put that into perspective. And now we're on the bubble. Like that is, it's a pretty insane predicament to be yeah. in. It's Here's what Heather like should have done: if Blake Henson made that shot, Capel gets the extension because we win the ACC regular season. But since he missed it, uh, he's going to be fired because now we're maybe on the bubble. Yeah, I mean, it just it it feels. I don't know again if it's a pit thing or if it's just a college sports thing, but it feels like we're constantly living on the razor's edge between incredible success and unspeakable disappointment. Let's, let's not go down this road any so, further. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Let's let's turn the momentum a little bit. Let's let's get people awake on Monday. Pitt's going dancing. I believe it. I, I believe it in my heart. Pitt is going dancing. So going to win the ACC tournament, but that's just me. Exactly. And so, you know, our guy, Dixon Disciple, great name, wants to know for us to win a couple games in the ACC and NCAA tournament, who needs to be the guy to catch fire and start carrying the team a little bit more? He thinks Greg Elliott. That was his suggestion. Before we start, Dixon Disciple, Kyle Saxon. Great Twitter follow for Pit Hoops fans. Very entertaining. Always bringing the heat. Very passionate fan. So great Twitter follow there. Um, this is like a very boring answer, mine, but I think it's Jamarius Burton. Like, yeah, oh, the best player has to play well. But I actually think when they're the point of the season, 
when so when Pitt beat UNC, that's when the wheels started turning and everyone's like, okay, this season might be a little different. This team is different than the past cable teams. And who was it? It was Jamarius Burton going 14 to 17, dropping 31 points against UNC at the Pete and getting it done. And on that day, I started to think like Burton is a guy and he, he, the way he plays, the way he just seems to get timely buckets, seems to keep the team together in times where the game feels like it should be going south. Um, He's one of those guys in March that just goes on a run who is unguardable for two weeks in March and no one can do anything with him. I think him being that guy, obviously if Greg Elliott is unconscious from three, it's a completely different pit team. Same I did not make a three pointer this week. I would like Greg Elliott to show in some capacity that he's participating in the game. Yeah, he had a rough week. And zero points, one rebound against Miami. Once again, very rough week. Uh, like I was saying, Blake, Blake Henson, he gets hot. I, I think the numbers have spoken. They're like their record when he scores 16 or more points is much better than when he doesn't score 16 points, believe it or not. But I think at the end of the day, this team's going to go by what Jamarius Burton does, live or die by Jamarius Burton. And I really hope he can hold up because he's a senior. It's his last run here. He's probably the main guy that you can point to. If you're going to point at one guy who's helping kind of turn this program around. Um, He came in and wanted to be a leader and lead by example. And I know there was, you look at last year's team and those guys didn't really hang on to that, but he's been, he's been able to do that this year because of a different group of guys that are in there. So um, I think it's got to be Jamarius Burton. Squid. I'm going to take Blake Henson out of this because I'm just going to pencil him in for like 18 points a game, uh, a couple big threes. Like that's the standard. I think Jamarius Burton's number one. And I'm going to go. Uh, this is tough. I think you can go a lot of different ways here. Well, I'm because go... this pit team has been so like it's been any any guy, any given night. Mm-hmm. It can be yeah. that night, right? I'm tempted to say Nike because if he has an off scoring night, there's no bench production, and you just kind of have your same five on the floor the whole game. Uh, but I'm going to go Nelly. I think uh, he's been really good the second half of the season. Uh, I think Miami did a good job on him, like pressuring the ball, and it kind of took him out of the game. Uh, they didn't let him like make as many plays as he usually does. So I think we're going to need Nelly coming to step up and uh, have some more games like he did against Syracuse, scoring and facilitating. Guard yeah, in March. Yeah, we, we need a guy that's passing the way that he did against Syracuse. Um, but I think that the number one thing that this team is missing right now is rebounding. We got murdered on the glass the last two games. And I think that starts and ends with Federico Federico. Um, Federico has been one of the most pleasant surprises on this team this year. But the last two games, it almost felt like he unlearned all of the progress he made. He was he went from our star on defense to almost a liability. Um, and we really need him to figure it the fuck out before we play games that really, really matter. Yeah, I see that. I, I definitely think 
you need more from Fetty, and I know he had a stretch there where, where he was playing out of his mind. Um, I think he's kind of coming and regressing back to the mean a little bit more, mm-hmm. more what we can really expect from Fetty, which is unfortunate because you know, he's having these games where he had 13 rebounds against Florida State. He had 14 and seven or 14 and six against Syracuse, 14 and seven against Georgia Tech. So he was coming along. It's like, oh, wow, he looks like a real ACC big. Um, in these past two games, he hasn't looked all that all that great. He looks like he's kind of taking a step back. Um, but we said, like we said with Greg Elliott, he he took a step back this week, and it's it's those role players that you don't know what you're going to get from them, um, and that, and that's why I kind of lean towards the guy, the main guys we know. If Burton and Henson are going to carry this team. If they're hitting shots, then I feel good about where we're at. If they're not, then it, it, we struggle to get offense from many other places. So. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Speaking of Hinson, can we at least talk for a minute about that last possession? It's it's kind of a lot to unpack, and I, I don't think we really got the chance to absorb that moment after the ACC switched over to the, the next game instantaneously, but that was uh that was a choice. I don't mind the shot. I don't love that that's the shot we got, but I, I saw some people. I think the majority of people were pretty reasonable about it, but some people blasting Henson for pulling that. Um, a couple reasons why I don't. One, there was, what, three and a half seconds when he put it up, and basically there was nine seconds when they went to the line. The free throw was missed. Nike takes four dribbles down the floor, kind of picks up the ball. I mean, yeah, you can hope they can glance at the clock to see how much time is left. But even then, what what does Blake Henson get one you, more dribble? Do you think Nike thought we had another timeout? Because it kind of looked like he – I couldn't tell if it was because they brought another guy on him or if he was kind of pulling up to let Capel take a timeout. I wasn't – what do you think? You're the, you're the baller here. I think it I seemed think like – I think if he thought we had a timeout, he would have taken it. Oh yeah, players can do that. Disregard me. Yeah, Miami had two guys back already. They weren't up, like pressing. So uh, maybe Nike could have blown by a guy. But uh, I said I'm okay with it because it's Blake Hinson. If anyone else on the team was taking a 40 foot three with three seconds left, I'd be a little bit upset. But because it was Blake Hinson and he was the reason we were in it because of his tough shot making, I'll even die by that. 
I mean, it just wasn't very good execution, right? I'm sure yeah. the I, I'm sure the plan was if we can get a stop here, if we can get a missed free throw, let's try to find Blake. He's red hot. He's been hitting. Got to figure that they're probably going to be face guarding him and not letting him anywhere near the perimeter. Um, and kudos to Miami. They did a really good job of that, uh, considering he took the shot from about 40 feet. Right. But um, Blake Kenson, you know, he was feeling it. He's coming off. He knows they're looking for him. And, I mean, let's be honest. Blake Kenson is going to let it fly. He hit a three a couple minutes earlier from probably about 32 feet his deepest of the season. And he was really feeling he hit one where uh, the three pointer that probably should have only counted as two points uh, was just a heave towards the hoop. Like it was one of those, that one, times, that one was ridiculous. That was, yeah, it was one of those absurd. times where a guy, it was like anything he's throwing up is going in. And then what do you know? Blake Henson shoots a fade away from 40 feet and it hits the front of the rim. Like it looks like if, if you get that same deflection off the rim from a shot that was right at the three-point line like oh wow they got a really good look it almost went in same thing with that yeah i the way i look at it like it it is what it is it was an off balance 40 foot three when you only needed a two with time to dribble and drive on the clock but also like that has to be hard keeping an eye on the clock in that situation it cannot be easy. It probably that six seconds that passed probably felt like an eternity and he wanted to get off. So you can both, you know, commiserate with him and, and feel for him and understand it was a bad position and also say, yeah, that was, that was just kind of a little bad and a little poorly executed. He came closer than he had any right to. I mean, there were, there were moments hours passing while that ball was in the air where it was like, Oh my God, this is going to go in. This he is going miss. in. This is going to yeah. go in and it's Blake Henson. It's going to go in. And I, I think my biggest gripe, obviously it's, it's nine seconds left. You don't have a timeout. You got to make something happen quick. You got to find a way to get the ball to Jamari's Spurt. Yes. Let him be the guy who makes the Preach. decision, whether he's going to make the pass to Blake Henson or if he's going to get to his 12 foot spot and shoot a turnaround jumper. You got to live and die by Jamarius Burton in that situation. But they get the rebound, they get it to Nike. He gets kind of stuck up on the sideline. Once again, I'll give kudos to Miami. They bracketed him and he really didn't have much anywhere to go. Um, and they got the shot they got. And if it would have gone, oh boy. So we we posed that hypothetical on Twitter, but I don't think we gave our own answers. Um, at the Loyal Sons asks, if Blake Henson makes that shot, where does it rank in the best shots in Pitt sports or Pitt hoops history? One, right? Like that's a plant send it in Jerome, right? Do we count dunks? I was more thinking of just actual shots, but. Dunks are shots, right? Yeah. Yeah. They... It's a field goal. It's a field goal. Um, Le- LeVance Fields might have his own list. I That dagger against two Duke. categories. We have the iconic shots, like Ron Ramon against West Virginia. That's yeah. a rivalry game. Uh, regular season game uh, at the Pete buzzer beater it's huge and then you also have the levance fields at duke they're both regular season games big games just big opponents but the significance of those is not as big as blake henson maybe winning the acc regular season 
or I think number one in my book is Levance Fields against Xavier, like the onions call. Um, onions. Yeah. But no. Yes. I I do think the Levance Fields Duke shot. So it's an early non-conference game, right? But it's Pitt playing Duke, a blue blood, in Madison Square Garden. And you have Levance Fields hitting a step back three to win them the game. It it was almost that play to a certain degree is like the the moment that Pitt basketball became real. Like a real national power. Like they had come along, they had won a Big East championship at this point, and they ha- were solidifying themselves as one of the best teams in the Big East and a consistent top 25 team. But beating Duke in Madison Square Garden on national television that way, I, I feel like the significance of that shot is bigger than we just won an early non-conference game. I would argue that they had kind of been there already. Um, you know, they hadn't made a ton of tournament run, like huge tournament runs up until that point, but this was a perennial top 10 team for years. But I, I will, I will agree with you that that felt like it punctuated the like, yes, Pitt is a very, very real They're program. Here. Here. They are here. They right. are still here. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm saying that this is number one, a 40 foot off balance three to clinch the ACC regular season title when you were down seven with a minute left and what, like 12 with three minutes left. It's, it's gotta be, but it's also not. So it didn't go. So I guess we won't have, we won't have to have this debate for very long that we just had for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hinson's going to have plenty of opportunities uh, to make up for that miss um, on Pitt's storybook run that they're about to go on. Uh, so Brandon Brigetti wants to know how far we're going to go in the ACC tournament. ACC tournament. Now, this is tough because um, conference tournaments are always tough. It, I guess March in general. You, you never know who's going to go on a run, who's going to get hot. But we've been saying all year, this pit team does have the mold with the shooting and the the older veteran guards, veteran roster in general, to make a run and to be really tough. Um, but I do worry a little bit about, you know, the, they play seven guys, six guys some nights, and playing back to back to back to back is a hell of a hell of an ask for a team to make a deep ACC tournament run. Um, my God, can I invoke the AAU argument that all these kids are used to playing like a half dozen games in a weekend all through high school and now they're just like more physically mature and in better shape? I see what you're saying, but you can invoke that. There's also some sports scientists who are arguing that that's actually the reason why all these guys playing in the NBA their bodies are falling apart earlier and earlier because they play way too much basketball. So it's actually bad for their bodies. They're not used right. to it. It's Never just... mind then. So Sorry uh, to interrupt. You, you can say that. Yeah. I mean, these guys are used to playing games that everyone will say, Oh, they're 21 years old. I, your dad would be like, I, when I was 21, I could have ran for weeks at a time. I'd never get tired, but like, it's very real. If you're playing a, a, 
rugged, like tough uh, game goes down to the final minute or you go to OT, like, and then you have to turn around and play the following day in another high-level basketball game. It, it wears on the body. Um, I'm just going to say semifinals. I, I hope they win it all, but just off the top of my head, Pitt, Pitt's going to make the semifinals. And I think that's – and I think we'll take that at this point. That would mean a win against Georgia Tech or Florida State and a win over Duke on, on Thursday. Yeah, there's a reason why people want the double buy. Playing less games, easier to do. Um, I want another shot at Duke. I know Roach is back. He didn't play when we traveled down to Durham and blew that lead. But I want another shot. I think uh, Philip House, he's coming back down to earth. And uh, we'll be more equipped to deal with whatever the heck he does because he just kind of demolished us last game. Federico uh, wasn't Federico the last time we played Duke. I so, think we match up a little bit better with them now. Uh, we haven't. I'm going to be the dark cloud and come over into the picture a little bit. We haven't had a clean game against Georgia Tech or Florida State yet this year. Hopefully, the back to back catches up with them. We can kind of run them out of the gym easily. We uh, get a rematch with Duke. Then we'd have a rematch with Miami, presumably. Uh, and after that, who knows? Um, I don't pencil us in for well, I really want to see the championship. I would love to re- get revenge on Duke, rubber match on Miami, and then just beat Virginia one more time. Leave no doubt, Lenardi. I'm gonna say Pitt Pitt wins their first game. I think I think they could beat Duke really handily. And I, I should preface this by saying I'm not basing this on anything but the old gut, how the gut's feeling. And the gut says that March we is for the gut. March is for the gut. Print the shirts. Um nobody who's ever used logic filling out a March Madness bracket has ever won a cent. No. All the gut. person doesn't win their pool. The person who wins the office pool is the lady who doesn't watch any games and picks based on what colors each team wears or the mascots or how fun the names are to say, or uh, this higher number was good, but I kind of like this number better. I think my uncle went to this school. Yeah. So, so just going by the gut, the gut says we win two games and then lose an even in even more heartbreaking fashion to Miami than we did this week. But like in a way that even though it destroys us, we're like, you know what? This team is rounding into form. We have we have locked up uh, a spot in the tournament. We're going dancing, and we're ready for whatever comes across our plate. So speaking of March Madness, Drew Von Sayo wants to know our March Madness sleepers and upset candidates. Purdue. Purdue is an upset candidate in the second round. The brackets aren't even out yet, but I'm penciling in whatever 8-9 seed plays them uh, to take them down. They just have really young, like, freshman guards. Uh, Ethan Morton from Butler, local kid who is going to get praised as this awesome role player and guy that every team needs, but also just has games where he goes, like, 0-5, multiple turnovers. Um, Edie, I mean, Edie is Edie, but... I feel like they might just match up with a really physical 
physical power five team in the second round where the refs don't want to give Edie any calls and he struggles. And I think there's a good recipe there. And watch it. We can freezing cold takes me in about a month when they make a final four run. But uh, <laughs> Never pick out a March Madness bracket based around a big man. Never works out. Guards win in March. Um, sleepers. I mean, Pitt. When Pitt gets in, they'll be my sleeper. Uh, I will have at least a bracket that puts them in the Elite Eight. My sleeper is Pitt, and my upset alert is whoever has to play Pitt. Like, Wash, rinse, repeat. Red paint. Standard is the standard. All that good shit. Wait, you got any? I, I know you. I know you got some cooking up over there. I feel like Oral Roberts is like just too easy, and almost not even a sleeper at this point. Like we know about Max Abmus, they've made a run before, and they're gonna get seated higher than they normally would because they have a have a bit of a pedigree. Um, Do they have the fat guy with the mustache that looks like Big Cat, or am I thinking of someone else? I think that's someone else. Wait, that might have been Loyola Chicago, who sucks this year, so never mind. My stat, or my team that's on upset alert, is the entire Mountain West. I saw that the Mountain West is 0-8 in the last four tournaments. So uh, I'm just going to knock all the Mountain West teams out early. That's like San Diego State, Nevada. Uh, I think Boise State and Utah State are all also like pretty much locks to get in. So knock them out early. And then Pitt is going to go to the Elite Eight. So, yeah, that's what I got. So uh, following my gut, Squid and I actually have two theories on – surprise March Madness teams that we've had for a lot of years. Uh, Squid, yours is that a team with a prominent player that has sick dreads always makes a run, correct? That's that's your long-held theory? Yeah, I haven't used it the last few years. I think it was back in like 2012 or 2013. Kenneth Fareed. I was watching like one shining moment and they were showing all the upsets and I'm like, all these mid majors have like a point guard or like a center with dreadlocks. So I'm just going to use this moving forward. And I think the next year, like St. Louis was like a 12 seed and they won two games. And I'm like, yeah, this is a surefire thing. Um, I think a year or two after that, I, I tried that and I got like 99th out of a hundred in <laughs> my bracket. So uh, not using it anymore, but we'll see. I'll, I'll do some quick, YouTube research and see if anything pops up and catches my eye. I've I've been using your theory since we were kids, so you mm-hmm. can't give up on me now. Mine has always been um, a team with a prominently featured player with an Arab world name makes a run, and that was born from Ali Farouk Manesh at Northern Iowa and Al Farouk Aminu. Um, I tried it with Bol Bol. Because uh, I think they're Sudanese, and that that counts, um, and that did not work. But uh, but I haven't done my research yet this year, and I'm I'm going to stick with my guns. I also, uh, as the world's foremost Mac guy, um, I always pencil in the Mac champion for a first round upset. And there's uh, there's two stud players that transferred out of Ohio University that I'll be keeping my eye on: Mark Sears on Alabama. And uh, 
Ben Vanderplas, who unfortunately plays for Virginia, and that's good enough for uh, two wins for each of those teams in my book. I'm not scientific. Well, I, aren't Toledo and Kent State both having pretty big years? Like, they're both – like, they're going to be – like, I'm looking at a bracket right now that has Kent State as a potential. Uh, this is a, a little dated, about a month old, but it had Kent State penciled in as a 12 seed, which is a little higher than they usually put the MAC champ. Like, OU was, what, the 14 or the yeah. 13 seed against When they took Virginia. down Virginia, yeah. Yeah, Best so they got him as a 12 seed, 12-5 upsets. I like, a, I like a MAC team to make a run. Honestly, I'll just look at Ken Palm and make all my picks based off of that because that's what matters the most. I need to know who has the best defensive efficiency. Yeah, I, I, there was a while where a few years stretch where the ESPN would have the comparison button. I'd be like, oh wait, this team's won two games against top twenty-five teams when they were in the non-conference, and I would spend hours doing that, and then I'd be like. Yeah, I mean, you can predict the try to pick the 12 5 win all you want, which you should. Don't let me talk you out. It's way more fun when you're like, hey, I called that 13 over four. I got the, I got the, I actually picked three of the four 13 seeds to win, but one of them I got right. It's way more fun that way. Wait, so, so let's, um, let's give a couple, like a, like a list of loyal sons sanctioned bracket filling tips. We already gave, the dreads roll. We already gave the, uh, I, I always used to call it the Muslim name rule. Um, another pencil, one. Pencil in a 12 seed to the sweet 16, because if you get it right, it's, I mean, it makes your March. Oh, I got almost last place. The. Wait, which year was that? Which year did Virginia win? Uh, lose to Ohio. Uh, that was 2021. 2021. Yeah. yeah. That year I was like almost dead last, but I picked Oregon State as the 12 seed to win like two or three games, and they did. And I was just like, yeah, that was me. I picked them. Yeah, they're still in mine. Oh, what, what, the rest of my bracket? Yeah, that my Elite Eight is gone, but it's fine. My Beavers kept me like, kept my morale high. All right. Tip three get lucky. That's. That could probably be number one. Uh, I want to throw out, if it takes you more than five minutes to fill out your bracket, you're overthinking it and you're going to lose. I'm going to make a rule this year. Uh, don't hold me to it because I, I haven't seen the bracket yet, but find the funniest mascot name and pick them. We just saw the St. Peter's Peacocks go on a historic run. Mm-hmm. So if there's if there's a funny nickname out there, go for them. doesn't matter if you've never heard of them before. Another one of my actual tip or not tips, but like one of my actual strategies is immediately drag the one seeds to the sweet 16. But I actually started all of this by saying that I'm going to pick Purdue to lose. So, um, yeah. Find the school of five white guys that can all shoot threes and give them two rounds. Uh, I don't know. The big 10 isn't usually really good in March madness. No, no, no. I'm talking like a, like an A10 school that sneaks in. Belmont. Oh, Belmont's always good for some for some bullshit. I think Walford was my team last year. 
Well, we aren't. We're on Wofford watch right now. They're they're on the clock. We we can't say anything nice about that no. dog shit school in South Carolina. Oh, it took me a minute to realize what you were talking about. We play them week one of the football season, huh? That is correct. Oh, the Wofford Terriers are down ten to Chattanooga right now. Good. Hate that school. Always Fox have. Suck it. Biggest rival on our schedule right now, actually. Oh, um, pick the winner. Yeah. It's worth so many points if you just pick the right team to win. Everybody's going to lose. Like, any any reasonably thought out bracket is going to be thrown out the window the first weekend. Pick the winner and you win. UConn. Kemba Walker here. Pick, pick the UConn to go all the way. I know, coming from a Pitt fan, that sounds like treason, but... I saw what Kemba Walker did to Gary McGee, and I could just you knew. I knew. I knew. You it knew. was over right there. I, I won my bracket that day. So. I won the year that Virginia won it all. Because I remember it being an exceptionally sloppy year, and it really just came down to f- between, like, first place and 30th place, whoever got the winner was going to win. So they beat Texas tech and I won a couple hundred bucks. Squid. You ever win a bracket tournament? Was that, I, I didn't hear you say anything about winning one. Yeah. You only talked about no, like being really bad at it. I was really bad. The, the year I tweeted about this. If you saw the tweet, I think it was 2012 or 2013. It was the year that Michigan state lost in the first round to middle Tennessee state that year. I got dead last. And that was the year I got really into Ken Palm. Like I was making Excel sheets about like previous year upsets. I'm like, well, this team had a the highest uh, offensive rating in the top 25 of Ken Palm. So I think they're going to go far and they would just lose. I, and I'm like, screw Ken Palm. You ruined my whole March. And then I ended up getting second in a really big one, the Texas Tech Virginia year. I would have won the whole thing if the Texas Tech guy didn't foul Kyle guy at the end of regulation. I would have won like thousands of dollars, but he did. And I ended up getting like third and was sad, but that was the best that I did. So you've never money. won. That's what, that's what we're getting. Yeah, at. No, okay. So okay. just the one year, we thought. the one yeah. year we did a, a draft, you drafted teams and you would get points based on how many games they won. And I won that. I won the year that. Um, yeah, but that sounds different. So just to time. confirm, you've never won your bracket pool. Um. Correct. Okay. Oh, okay. That's what we thought. Yeah. I just realized we've absolutely burnt um anything we could possibly talk about on next week's episode. <laughs> just did our full March Madness. Oh well. Come back. I promise it'll be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not just gonna tell you to pick a team with a guy named Muhammad. We'll tell you which guy that is. You don't have to do the research. Well, yeah. 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 I guess now I have homework. Um, anyway, moving on. We did get a couple fun ones about basketball. Um, so Luda Christian 25, great name, uh, asked us, the three of us versus Blake Hinson, who wins at one, three-on-one half-court basketball, two, tackle football, three, a wing-eating contest. How are you guys feeling about that? I mean, I, I'd say we, we got to go through the list here. So half-court basketball, 
I would feel pretty bad about myself as as an athlete and a basketball player if we straight up lost to him three on one. Like if he had one other person and we were playing him three on two, but three on one, I mean, we would have to be complete and yeah, we would have to be completely incompetent. I feel like. Yeah, I think we could do it unless he hits a bunch of those threes that he did against Miami. It would take that kind of effort. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I mean, the thing with Blake Henson is his shots, like, if you're contesting him in any type of way, it doesn't really, like, he can be wide open or he can be completely contested. And I feel like the likelihood of the shot going in is the exact same. So it yeah, might he be a better chance up. of going in if he's contested. Yeah, he might just heat up and just, like, we're literally, like, tackling him, like, trying to push him over and he's just fade away like 30 feet hitting shots in our grill. Um, I'm not saying that like we'd easily win, but I would feel really bad about myself. We couldn't beat him three on one. I don't think anybody's getting a stop in that. Right. Like Uh, we we wouldn't get stops. He might just miss one or two. (laughs) Right. Right. And my thing is he should theoretically only get one shot. No, he might put up a shot and just like blow by us for an offensive rebound. We're not getting more worried about this as I think about it. And he's, he's very large and, and we are not. I'll get on David's shoulders. Oh, I like where this is headed. I think I'm more useful up there than I would be trying to like, you know what? No, I think we'd win because we would just draw a bunch of charges. True. I'm say there's a referee oh, yeah. in attendance. Ted Valentine will be on the sidelines, striped shirt whistle, and they're going to call him for a lot of charges. Like well, David's going to his you, face are, up in his grill. He'll like take an elbow. Are one of you going to? I'm not taking a charge from Blake Hansen. It's not worth it at this I'll, point. I'll do it. It's it's the only way I could possibly be useful in this situation. Because um, as we've said, Dylan's nice at basketball. Squid is the ultimate like Swiss Army knife hustle guy. Setting picks, diving one overall pick, number one overall pick in Ross Rec Community League. Center Basketball League. So, yeah, twenty thirteen. That was a that was a big year. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I can do is offer my body. <laughs> we appreciate your sacrifice. I'm gonna wear one of those uh, Rip Hamilton face masks, and maybe like a little bit of padding around. Uh, like a headband, so when I bang my head off the floor, it's not that bad. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna eat one for the team. Uh, I only have to eat five of them because if he fouls out, you know, then it's win by default. Yeah. Okay. Next one, tackle football. I I think Blake gets us three on one. I agree. One on three. I, I think the real question here is if we can take eighth grade Blake Henson. The one from like, like could <laughs> no. we handle 14 year old Blake Henson on the football field? No, I have since watched his highlight tape that uh, Noah Hiles told us about, like his huddle or whatever. We are not beating that person, that child. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Easy enough. Wing eating contest. So you two is- eat like birds. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, how many do you think you can put down? What are the parameters? So, okay. In this hypothetical, what are the parameters? 
Oh, you can eat wings, I imagine. So just you go to you tap out, or is this like I think Joey so. Chestnut style? Like you have ten minutes on the clock. Mm, I think it has to go to we tap. Time we're, we're at just such an unfair disadvantage. Yeah. Okay. We'll go eat till you tap out. I mean, I've I've hit twenty at all you can eat wings at Quaker Steak back in the day, but I was like up to my like throat and wings, so. We'll, we'll loosely say like fifteen. I um, I don't feel good admitting this on the <laughs> podcast that I co-host, but Quaker Steak, all you can eat wings. Junior year of high school, I remember this vividly because it was election night, uh, twenty twelve. I put down forty two. I don't know if twenty seven year old David can do that. Absolutely not. I had to be 17. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I can get you 20. I can get you 20 on for competition's sake. Like, I will not be. I will be very uncomfortable. I might need to excuse myself after. I'll, I'll get you 20 just out of pure heart. Yeah, I'll fast and get to 20. I won't yeah. eat for the, the And I know prior. people listening to this are like, is that really all you guys need? But I'm not going to sit here and be one of those guys like, I can eat so much. I can eat two full pizzas by myself. No, I... I'll give you twenty, and that's what you're, the absolute best you can get from me. Dave, what are you getting us? Because I'm liking our chances as we're doing the math. I can, I could, I think I could get us thirty, thirty-two. If I if I get a workout in beforehand, and knowing I can just make myself puke after. I won a hot dog eating contest in uh, in college. The Blake, Blake might give us a 60 ball. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're, I think we're worried about the wrong thing here. What, what, does Blake like wings? Do we know? Yeah. that could, uh, I mean, everyone likes wings, right? <laughs> Is this an off season content idea for us? <laughs> Send out the Archies. And... <laughs> Can we draft Donnie Chedrick, Donnie football? Oh, I think we got something here. Um, so we think we can maybe win two of the three. So we're we're saying we went. It's funny we picked the one we were like, yeah, we can definitely beat him. And is what he plays for, what he does like as at a, a division time. one level. Yeah, so we might go over three actually. But okay, well this might actually we're going over to... three. I'm changing my vote for basketball. <laughs> uh, come on, give us one. Give us one. Um, next one is kind of goes into it. So if you had to put twenty five pounds on the ds twins what would you do that's from uh quaker steak and lube wing night is this from your brother-in-law david yeah this is from my brother-in-law colin and i i love this because we brought it up in the past um noah hiles was on and he talked about we need to set up the diaz graham twins with blake hinson and get them on that like whole whole chicken pound of brown rice and get them in the weight room i disagree we are this is urgent. We need to get them thick fast. They need to be drinking Frank's Pizza Ranch. Oh, I thought you were going to say they just need to be drinking all the time. Like they just need to be They're not 21 yet, David. <laughs> well, well, that's why I didn't say that. Don't put words in my mouth. But um, no, we need, we need them to be eating some gross meals. Lifting heavy and, and just pounding like steaks and and fried chicken wasn't isn't 
like potatoes. Football thing, like for the guys who are tight ends that they want to make linemen. I mean, among other things, one of the things they do is like they have to set an alarm in the middle of the night and wake up and eat a PBJ, PB and J. I think we got to get the Diaz twins on that. I I feel like I've heard that was one of the things Brian O'Neill had to do to bulk up. I I remember um there was a defensive end that played at our high school. Um, one of the Basilovex, I think it was. Uh, Just say that. I don't think anyone's going to call you out on it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he was my brother's age. And my brother said, like, yeah, he would have nine PB&Js in his locker and just shove one in between each class. That seems we a little excessive. <laughs> that seems a little excessive. Maybe we just you know, get him in the weight room like for a full offseason. Maybe that'll do the trick. I can't picture anything other than like shipping them. They can't go to Spain because that's like too nice of a place. They have to go like the, uh, I don't listen to Russia right now. I'm thinking the the Rocky Four training montage where he just is in a cabin and is just like chopping down trees and like throwing rocks into like a trailer as his workout. I want to see something like hardcore like that. I am. Um, I feel like paella would be the perfect food for putting on like good weight, but it needs to be made American style, like way more oil, triple the portion and all the seafood in it is fried. So we're going to get them fat or in shape big. I mean, we're, we're getting, they're going to be working out while they do this. Okay. Yeah. I still think the best solution is give them a summer with Blake down in Florida. They'll go to LA fitness during the day go just grab on some i mean florida definitely has just some fire food all over the place just get them eating good we'll worry about getting them in shape when they get back on the campus but we just need a good 20 pounds on them we'll we'll make the rest work if you eat fried gator you get all of the gators powers so i think florida is a good destination there i need each of them to have a crab oil to themselves every day Perfect. So we also, um, that was it for basketball, uh, very mercifully. Um, we did get a couple questions about football. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll do that real quick. Uh, football. Football so far away. It's so far, but think of how much closer it's going to be after Pitt wins the national championship in April and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, it's it's like football season is just a summer away. Whereas like last year, you know, true, they lose they lose the Peach Bowl. And then, well, we aren't watching a terrible pit basketball team. So now all we have to do between January and September is think about the backyard brawl. Yeah, I do appreciate the basketball team service in that regard. And getting us a little bit closer to the fall, a little bit closer to football season. I still don't know if my mind can shift to football right now, but I'll give you, I can give you ten minutes of football. That's all I got in me. Okay, we can we can be efficient. Um, the first question: uh, the combine is happening right now. Um, we got a question from uh, Jake Ryan. Uh, that he wants to hear our realistic NFL comparisons for specifically Cansey, Izzy, 
and Servassier at both their floor and ceiling. So the example he used, which I think is just kind of perfect and we, we don't really need to change it much, is um, is Cansey either going to be Aaron Donald at his ceiling or Christian Barmore at his floor? I think it's obvious that everyone thinks the ceiling for Cansey, or at least the comparison people won't stop I was going to say, ceiling... Aaron, like, I don't know about that. I don't think anybody's ceiling should be like poor man's Aaron Donald. Yeah. Who's just like a pro bowler value brand Aaron Donald, which is not a dig. That's just like probably being like an all pro. Nobody can be, not everybody can be like the greatest non quarterback in the history of football, which is what I think AD is. And I'll fight anyone that says otherwise. I do think it's sweet that we saw some mock drafts within the last month or two that would have Cansey in the first round. We're like, oh, that'd be pretty sweet. But these mock drafts are pretty hit or miss at this point. And then he did what he did at the combine. And now it's just probably happening, I guess. Yeah, this defensive tackle is as fast as Jordan Addison and like <laughs> unblockable and. I think Cansey and Addison ever raced. And everyone was like, whoa. Elijah <laughs> was way closer to him than he should have been. I imagine. I mean, probably not. the funny thing that I think of, everyone is making a big deal about Addison running a 4 5 5. And it's like slow for a receiver. That just makes you think how slow everyone on New Hampshire's defense was that one time he made like nine guys miss. Like that's a defense full of guys that run like five twos. Addison did end up breaking uh into the four fours, but yeah, his his oh. numbers were not what I think a lot of people were expecting for his size. Yeah, I'm not but... buying I'm not buying that I'm not buying those times. Like he, he just didn't run well. I I've seen Jordan Addison play enough football. I've never watched him play one time and be like Oh man! If only he was a little bit faster. Even, right. Even like he's just one of he always looks like the fastest guy on the field. So I think AB. What did AB run at the combine? I think I saw AB run a four five seven. There's just a different type of speed. Some guys yeah. just aren't forty guys, and I think Jordan Addison is a uh, plenty football fast as we've seen. But I, I think we've completely diverted from the question here. What was it? Yeah. Speaking of forty guys, <laughs> uh, Brandon Hill. Fastest safety in the NFL combine. Front they the always show. talk about that ACC speed. It kills. Coach Stack just doing a hell of a job with those guys. Oh, yeah. Probably I'm going to take good. some credit uh, for being in that Shuli's Pizza commercial with them. I, <laughs> I told them, like, make sure you work on your start. And whenever you start, make sure you stay low until you get up into the the drive phase of the four. Then, then, then you're on a 4-4. Four, four. And he was like, oh, okay, I'll remember that when I met the Combine like seven months from now. Good for you. So yeah. do we have do we have any comparisons? Oh, yeah. for... Is he a Van Akanda comparison? Uh, Bo Jackson? I was going to say faster Adrian Peterson for his ceiling. I was going to say smaller Derek Henry, but I was going to say it unironically. <laughs> Go for it. Is that... that... Yeah, I mean, he's a Mack truck. He's put he's together. so much faster than Derrick Henry. Yeah, I'm upset he pulled his hammy because I, I thought he could break under 
So he said he'll run at Pro Day, which I'll be intrigued, but then it's like, yeah. oh, it's Pro Day. It's like Narduzzi's stopwatch. going to shave a tenth of a second off. Um, well, I guess yeah, not but really. Sh- because, I guess not really, because we, we saw some, we saw some uh, former Pitt Panthers run some pretty slow 40 times a few years ago when there wasn't a combine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll pass on that. A little better stopwatch this year. Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, uh, giving a comparison, I mean, he's very straight line guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. If a running backs are like such a diamond, doesn't like if you're one of the guys, I kind of see the. I don't want to say AP. I don't know, man. I, I'll be honest with you, I. Just think he can be like a legit top five NFL running back soon. Like I think his physical abilities. Um, I don't know how much of a pass catcher he'll be, and I feel like nowadays, like that's what makes a really good NFL right. running back. But I think he can definitely run for a ton of yards just because he's like the fastest fast kid alive. I think that they'll teach him how to. I don't think he has bad hands. I just think he's not like a receiving first running back, but he's I mean, we didn't throw to our receivers, let alone our running backs. Right, right. So. But when when he got the ball in space, it was sweet. So I think I think yeah. an NFL coach is going to be like, oh, we should get this insanely fast, huge, strong guy into open the open field, and to do that, let's let's develop his route tree a little bit. So I don't know about a comparison, but. I think we think there's a lot of potential there. What about Nick so, Chubb? Nick Chubb, about 5'11", 227. Not quite as fast. Sure. Is his physical Chubb? Yeah. Stop with trying to compare. <laughs> we got the next one. <laughs> Same thing Voss. with Voss. I, I yeah, Voss. can't tell you. I know the tendencies of uh, too many NFL linebackers. Voss isn't built like a lot of NFL linebackers, but he's really, really smart. So it'd be easier if um, two of these three positions weren't like the most dime a dozen. Like you will get the same productivity out of a replacement positions in the NFL. Like Kenny Pickett, we could have told you that he was a combination of like Tom Brady, John Elway, and Jesus Christ. But it's it's a little bit harder with these positions. Great question, though. I would try to ask that to somebody that watches film. <laughs> uh, they will all be good, but player comps will work on that. Yeah, yeah, we're well, working on. Boss will be uh, better than Devin Bush. I'll, I'll just say that is currently better than Devin Bush. Don't jump up and down on that limb you're standing out on. All right, last question, and then we can. Mosey on out after some final thoughts. Uh, the ghost of Chesty Polar asked, how about a preview to spring ball and position battles of the upcoming transfers? Well, that is going to probably be an episode all in and of, it, in and of itself, uh, but we can give you a couple here. What do you guys think? Once again, I, I can't do much more football. Um I think we've heard from multiple people at this point that Bayer is good and could push Dracovic. I also don't believe it for a second that no. that Signetti won't ride with Dracovic. 
but we have to address it in case Dracovic isn't really good and Vier takes over. That way we can say we told you back in early March that this was the case. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the Loyal Sons are very early on Team Vier, unless we aren't, in which case we won't be. People are saying, but it's not us. It's unless it is. Correct. But Jacoby's going to start and he'll be good. And then who else is going to be good? That is a newcomer. Just spit a name out. No thought. Spit a name. Dejan Reynolds. Yeah, he's going to do what he did in that Vanderbilt game, but every game. Just eight for 160 and two scores every game. Honestly, it's it's going to be a lot about the quarterback position and how the offense looks. That's that's what it's going to come down to. I trust the line. I trust Rodney Hammond and Sebo Flemister. But is whoever plays quarterback, Dracovic, going to be able to develop with his receiving core? And is one of those guys going to step out? But again, we, we don't want to give you an excuse to not listen to our camp preview episode. Which will happen. Eventually. Spring game right around the corner, boys. Mm-hmm. Can we can we get through this literal like March Madness run our hoops team is gonna go on? Like we're sitting on Oh I'm sorry, some this. of us love football. We're we're just like up on a pending Elite Eight run and we're we're talking about spring ball right now. Come on now. My brain doesn't have that much that much it's like one or the other. Don't you ever insinuate that I don't love football. I didn't insinuate it. I I said it to your face through the computer. Didn't say this to me when we were living in the same house. No, you have hands. I didn't want no part of that shit. Well, this was fun. A little different. Yeah. Better than us moping about losing two basketball games this week. I mean, we, we did quite a bit of that but yeah yeah you yeah, know this is better perfect we don't have to do a whole closing thoughts thing but uh anything else to sign us off i went to the strip district today and i love the strip district it's, that was my thought that was, that was going to be awesome. my final thought and I, I wanted to get it off because it's my favorite place to go and spend like 150 dollars in 10 minutes and I got to see all of the like drink up Yin's bitches, uh, green St. Patrick's Day shirts. Did you go to lefties? Did not go into lefties, unfortunately, but I did get a atomic monster pepperoni roll from Sinceri's, which is just as important. Mm. How many picket shirts did you see? Not enough. It was like overrun by eight. And very deservedly so. It was overrun by like picket t-shirts for about two or three months back in the fall. There, there. Are, well, my issue is there's enough jerseys, but like I, I want Kenny Pickett's face on every other t-shirt. Well, they probably can't put his face on. That's the thing with the strip knockoff. Oh, right, so you got to keep it like generic. But... Uh, I don't know. I have one. I mean, it's not his face, but like. There is a figure. I'll show you. It's actually pretty sweet. But 
nope, we'll do that another time. Um, final thought for me. I was going to go away from the basketball team, but it's going to circle back to this. If for some reason, some terrible, terrible way that we don't make March Madness, it's going to be very difficult for me to watch the tournament. Like, I love March Madness. I take a day and a half off work every year for Thursday and Friday. It is the best version of sports that this planet has the offer to offer is that first weekend of March Madness. If if Pitt is somehow left out, I don't I don't know how I'm gonna be able to do it. Please win. Yeah, please win. Let's not even talk about that. I'm just gonna leave that on the table. I didn't get it off my chest. Well let's see if everything was only happy to end the episode. Girl Scout cookies are back. Oh, uh, oh. what are, what are uh, Kenny Pickett's MVP odds? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so as as we sit here, Kenny Pickett uh, has the 16th best odds to win the NFL MVP trophy next year. Um, I think I got him at like 40 to one or 42 to one on a betting site. Uh-huh. No free ads. Um but uh yeah, I put down twenty to win like eight hundred bucks and I'm going to be rich. It's like the easiest bet I've ever heard of. I love it. Who was ahead of like all quarterbacks ahead of it? It was entirely quarterbacks. Gotcha. There was not one position player ahead of him. Gotcha. That's a happy note to end on. Yeah. So I guess programming info we haven't even talked this through all that much but gonna try to drop some episodes after the acc tournament games games plural games yeah Mm. yeah um we'll we'll try to keep it pretty short or long depending on how much stuff happens but uh but no you aren't you aren't gonna catch us slacking this week we'll talk to you before selection sunday a couple times four times actually Ah, one for each game they win the ACC tournament is on St. Patrick's Day. That has potential to be an all-time episode. The three of us, post-championship, 12-plus hours of drinking. Yeah, that's a, that's a long ways away. Went on Wednesday first. 2.30 p.m. tip. Set on your out-of-office pop yourself on the couch, answer some emails at the under 16 and under 12 timeouts and strap in and root for our Panthers. As always, please win, please win, please win. And as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.